without asking for too many details, do you have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Trentster. Hi, Parth. What have you... What, uh, tell me. What nice, have you been eating? Nice to, nice to see you. It's good to see you, um, You know, s since... Uh, we're in an indentured servitude sort of arrangement where you said, we're doing the pod on Tuesday morning or else. And so uh, I had no choice but to watch The Departed. That's what I talk like. I had no choice but to watch all 200, um, all two hours and 30 minutes of The Departed uh, this morning. And, you know, did you think an hour was 100 minutes long for a second there, Trent? Who's to say? Um, but. I was on a hunger strike until the end because I needed to prove a point to you and myself about this Parth doesn't find it 100% necessary to rewatch the movies in their entirety before our discussions. He just says, yeah, I'll skim it. Am I wrong? Or is this accusation accurate? I had hot dog, a uh, chicken hot dog for breakfast. I mean, lunch. Um, because my dad chicken, went to Costco. A, ch a chicken hot dog? Yeah. Because okay. this is a Hindu household, so we don't Is there no red meat around? We don't partake in the meat of a cow. It's a sacred beast. Exactly. So, yeah, so we, he got these chicken sausages, and I heated them up, and... So have you eaten chicken sausages slash chicken hot dogs your whole life? Yeah. Has that taken the role of a standard-issue hot dog? I would say so. I mean, I, I prefer... I've had beef before. I just... I prefer chicken generally i think partially because i just grew up with it more often did someone like sneak you beef or did you are like did you just decide one morning you were gonna cheat on god or like what was what was the plan there <sighs> i'm glad you're making me do this on air trent um so hi parth parents yeah hi when i was younger i accidentally had beef because i didn't because it's just so com like at school lunch or whatever like i didn't even know what was beef and what wasn't beef what Sometimes dish was it hidden in hot dog i didn't know that it oh. hot dog was and then I also it doesn't did... look like anything in particular no and no. i i also had pepperoni on pizza oh i i could see some, how you could unknowingly consume that so you could if i was a child and you told me pepperoni came from a chicken i'd shrug my shoulders and say great you know you could tell me a pepperoni came from anything and i'd probably believe you i currently don't even know that i believe that it comes from a cow i mean i feel like pepperoni and hot dogs are two of the meat products that contain the least percentage of meat so maybe you'll go to like partial hell who knows yeah are, are, is that what is that what you're afraid of is that what's at stake here what going to hell you go into the underworld well hinduism doesn't believe in the underworld um so what's like the worst case scenario well i mean the way hinduism works is i'd just be reincarnated the but whole idea something is bad uh maybe i mean the idea is that the whole idea is to not to get religious on the pod, which I'm not. The whole is, idea is that you do your duty and then stop getting reincarnated. Is there like a sin system like there is in like Christianity? No. Oh, cool. So you don't have to like go to, there's no confessional, none of that? No, because the idea is um, the entire world is a construct and an illusion to um, break free from. Hinduism in its purest belief believes that there is no god uh, whoa and that wow. you can believe whatever the whole idea is basically that your belief system is all just a crutch for you to stay sane in a sort of way well listeners that's the sort of content you signed up for well let's cut to the show the movie portion
of enough our, spirituality uh, uh, of our movie show of our film podcast all right bye but also welcome to the show thanks for coming <laughs>
Sorry for the history lesson. Speaking of part, Speaking of history. Um, yeah, nice segue. Cool. Continue. Production history. So in January 2003, Warner Brothers producer Brad Gray and actor-slash-producer Brad Pitt bought the rights to remake the Hong Kong film Internal Affairs for $1.75 million. What'd you say? Infernal Affairs. I think it's Internal Affairs. Hold on. Let me search that up. We need a research team. Yeah, it's... We need some... It's, it's Internal Affairs. Oh, well, you're the one who put the F there. I copied it from... Wait. Oh, wait, no, it is. It is Infernal Affairs. Oh. <laughs> There's also a is movie it? called Internal Affairs. Yeah, because I saw it somewhere else listed as Infernal Affairs, and I thought I was going crazy there for a second. Okay, I'm going to restart. You, 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 you are often right on this show. And I'm going to start. didn't want to be wrong again. Go for it, Parth. Confidently say it like you got it the first time around. In January 20... Fuck me. In January 2003, Warner Brothers producer Brad Gray and actor Brad Pitt bought the rights to remake the Hong Kong film Infernal Affairs from Media Asia for $1.75 million. William Monaghan was secured as a screenwriter, and then Martin Scorsese, who liked his script, came on board as director. In March of 2004, it was announced that Scorsese would be remaking the movie and setting it in Boston with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt slated to star in it. Pitt was tentatively scheduled to play Sullivan, but later declined the role, saying that a younger actor should play the part, and decided to produce the film only, and in favor of this movie, starred in Babel. Scorsese's longtime associate, Kenneth Lonergan, who is also the director of Manchester by the Sea, suggested Matt Damon, who grew up in Boston, to replace Brad Pitt. Scorsese asked Jack Nicholson to play Costello. He wanted the film to have a little something more than the usual gangster film, and screenwriter Monaghan came up with the idea of basing the ca- Costello character on Irish-American gangster Whitey Bulger. This gave the screenplay an element of realism and an element of dangerous uncertainty because of the wide-ranging carte blanche the FBI gave Bulger in exchange for revealing information about fellow gangsters. The movie was officially greenlit by Warner Brothers in early 2005 and began shooting in spring of 2005. Some of the film was shot on location in Boston, but most of the movie for budgetary and logistical reasons, was shot in New York City on locations and sets, as it had tax incentives that Boston did not. Trent, hit me with some fun facts. All right, so a technical consultant on the film was Tom Duffy, who had served three decades on the Boston Police Department, particularly as an undercover detective investigating the Irish mob. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio called his one-on-one scene with Jack Nicholson, quote, one of the most memorable moments of my life. Beautiful. Uh, when receiving the top award from the Directors Guild of America for this film, Martin Scorsese said this, quote, is the first movie I've ever done with a plot, which I don't necessarily agree with. Um, Me neither. Martin Scorsese really wanted Al Pacino for the role of Costello because he had never worked with Pacino before, but he turned it down. Um, I could see it. I like that Nicholson's in it, but... It could have worked. In I, I feel like there's always been in like eighties movies and you're either a Pacino guy or a De Niro guy. My whole life I've been a staunch De Niro guy. But Al, Al Pacino's pretty fucking pretty pretty freaking cool. I Do agree. You agree. I agree. Okay. Um originally this remake was planned with Brad Pitt as Colin Sullivan and Tom Cruise as Billy Costigan. Part do you see it? Um I see it and it would be interesting to have Cruise re team up with scorsese but 
I think... Excuse my ignorance. When did Tom Cruise work last with Martin Scorsese? Color of Money. Okay. In, 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 in the early 90s, so... Has Brad Pitt been in a Scorsese movie? I don't think he has. Hmm. But but it would have been interesting to see them re-team up, but um, I'm glad the, the casting is the way that it is in this movie. Tom Cruise, I feel like, sneaks into every casting what-if that we do on the show. Yes. He, he was considered for everything, or maybe he just has... A lot. He has a team of people going out and writing on IMDb trivia that he was once considered for every male lead role. That Uh, makes sense. Moving on. Jack Nicholson refused to wear a Boston Red Sox hat during filming and instead wore his New York Yankees hat. This reminded me of when Ben Affleck did the inverse on Gone Girl and refused to wear the Yankees hat and in substitute wore a New York Mets hat. Uh, I don't understand these A-list actors refusing to wear hats if it's, like, ge- uh, geographically, or I can do this. Geographically? Ge- if it's geographically sound with the character and what team that character would like. Well, it's all part of, you know, pride, so. And uh, I really want it to be Yankees cap, uh, but being from Boston um, and not being very professional as an actor... Ben refused to wear a Yankees cap. And we, I mean, it did not come to blows, but we had to shut down production for four days as we negotiated with Patrick Weitzel over what would be the best thing for the movie, what Patrick thought would be the best way to meet the requirements of the production and something that his client could live with, which I thought was entirely unprofessional. Four days, four days, four days, four days, four days. Martin Scorsese had originally wanted to cast a known actress, either Kate Winslet, Emily Blunt, Hilary Swank, or Jennifer Aniston, um, for the part of Madeline. Uh, who who can you see of those listed? And are you happy we got Vera? Yes. I like, I'm very I like happy Vera. we got Vera. I could see Kate Winslet. Yeah, because she's on the new Mayor of Easttown thing, and she does the the uh, the pencil. The, she she does the Pennsylvania accent. And she kills it, so she could do a Boston accent. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Jennifer Aniston works in this at all. Absolutely not. No, no. Uh, I like. I could. Like, I think Emily Blunt's a great actress, but I, she I seems feel like she would be small. very young. Yeah especially 15 years ago she would seem very young yeah and vera vera seems like an old foxy therapist woman and that's like part of it you know i mean i not don't know old. that i'd call her old but no, she doesn't no, seem o- but older. she doesn't seem specifically young either she feels very established all right um martin Scorsese says he did not realize this was a remake of a hong kong movie until after he agreed to direct it um the word fuck and all of its derivatives are used 238 times I know that Wolf of Wall Street holds the record with more. And, it's not uh, hold the record, but it is, I believe, the second or third uh, place for most fucks in a movie. Was it Was it not the first at, no. at the time there, of there's, release? There, there's a documentary. There's a documentary. The documentary. Of, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah, Cut, no. Edit that out. Edit that out. I can't look I, I, stupid I, on my I, show. Um, yeah, okay. There's a... Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a documentary called about the word fuck um okay that has more and i i I don't know if south park bigger longer and uncut has more i might be swapping those two but yeah 
Uh, the first Best Picture Oscar winner of the 21st century that wasn't released on VHS in the United States, and the first to be released on the short-lived HD DVD format. Parth, did you buy stock in HD DVD? And if so, um, how are your savings? Being your- a toddler at the time, I invested all of my savings and have come out with little to no profit. Yeah, and how's your VHS stock? Oh, it's out, it's, it's through the roof. Could you see VHSs coming back in a way that, like, record players have? Or is it too much of a jump? It's too much no. of a convenience jump. Well, it's no? not just a convenience jump. The thing is, the reason record players are coming back is because they actually hold a higher quality, like vinyls. They, they actually have more information, whereas VHS is way more cumbersome to manage and also is just worse quality. Yeah, also having to physically rewind is pretty terrible. Uh, I know that some of the fast facts you listed about the sound quality superiority of record players are fa- is factually true, but I just you can't you can't help but feel pretentious when you say those words. Sure, I'm just saying that's the reason why people like them, and of of course there's the nice added you know getting to put the vinyl in and whatever. But I don't think there's there's very little nostalgia I have for VHS. I'm sad that DVDs are dying, um, and I almost wish that I had gotten on the Blu-ray bandwagon earlier, because at least with Blu-rays, you can make the record argument that, oh, the quality. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have nothing to say. I, I jumped on the Blu-ray bandwagon way <laughs> at, before. At the right time. At the exact right time. You bought plenty of Blu-ray stock. Is there anything above blu-ray superior 4k and which is still blu-ray but it's um do you need a 4k player yeah you do that sounds like a sham it's not well i thought so too but we bought my dad bought this oled tv and a 4k blu-ray player and we watched tenet in 4k on it and and there's a noticeable there's a noticeable difference i really thought there wouldn't be but isn't a 4k disc like 30 bucks it's becoming cheaper but yes. Cool. It's not there. Uh, I think it's 25 now. But yeah. You want to do one star reviews? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. You we, want me to start with one? We got distracted by the format wars. Another cheap knockoff of the real deal. Cheap knockoff? Not only do I hold more data than you, I'm smaller and more compact too. Huh. Hate to break it to you, kid. All through history, man has favored large things. Large horses, large bank accounts, large ice cream sundaes. Nobody's gonna want this. Size matters. Laser discs are everywhere now. Yeah, good luck having people switch to DVD. Probably stands for disc that's very dumb. Whoa! It stands for digital versatile disc. You'll know DVD soon enough. From Julian Owens, seven months ago, he wrote, in all lowercase, thought it, it was, good fella, period, wasn't, period, disappointed. So I I think what he's trying to say is thought it was good fella, wasn't disappointed i think you meant to say i thought this was good fellas wasn't disappointed but yeah what do you think was happening here because something was wrong i think um (laughs) they didn't pay much attention to what the the you know they were typing i think this was done on the phone 
and uh, they have fat fingers. Oh, oh, I, I was, I thought you were gonna say it was like a bad voice translation, as in. I feel like people don't really use voice translate. I don't. Uh, nobody I know does. I can't imagine do. going through all the effort of writing a review and then not going through the time to proofread it, especially when it's one sentence. Or I guess since they put three different it's three, periods, it's it's, it's three, three sentences. sentences but but there, are, there are a total of six words. All right, on to the next one. It's by Jasmine Chan. It was from four days ago. Fresh wound for Jasmine. It says, it says only straight men would enjoy this. And, like, I mean, she's kind of right. What? No, she's not. Actually, my mom likes this movie more than I do, so I, I think that breaks your little hypothesis there, Jasmine. Friend of the show and previous guest of the show, Chloe Ditloff, is sure. a ginormous fan of The Departed, so that's a straight woman, so, you know. I, but I believe I'm a straight man, and I wasn't... I mean, as we'll get into later. I don't think I don't see this as a Wolf of Wall Street type movie where where the wrong kind of people, because the wrong kind of people no. reclaiming this movie would have to be like Irish gangsters from Boston, and I don't know if that's a wide enough net. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's a really specific target audience. All right, I uh, want me to say the last one. So this one's from Martin Knight, ten months ago. Muddled acting, poor theme, gobbled diction, pseudo aggression. Wife fell asleep twice in the first 90 minutes. Frankly boring. Amazing to have such stars and the director putting their good names to this amateurish fiasco. Martin really set out to use every vocab word he knew. He went to the thesaurus. And and he succeeded. Do you think he patted himself on the back after he used the word pseudo? I think so. And also, I don't know what that means. Pseudo aggression, it's it's macro aggression. It's very clear, visible. It's not... It's not yeah. debatable. I, I could see this being pseudo-intellectual or something, but to, to make it make more sense, like I don't think this movie is pseudo-intellectual. But but to say poor theme, not that they've established several themes and that they're poor, but just uh, altogether one bad theme in its entirety. And he also seems to have a problem with the way the actors say their lines. I guess he has a he takes I, fault I with think... the Boston accent. Because of gobbled diction. I think he wanted to use the word gobbled and diction. I agree. I think Martin is just going um, from film to film and ripping them limb from limb. And, and you know, it's is highlighting his the words in his thesaurus as he goes. Now it's time for us to talk about what worked in this movie, Trent. You watched it just now, right? Y- yeah, you skimmed it, I'm sure. Um, we'll get the to first that. Thing- the first thing on my list is the main cast. Leo, Damon, Nicholson. Three of my all-time favorites. And then right under the main cast, uh, bullet point, it says supporting cast. You got Mark Wahlberg, Alec Baldwin, uh, Vera. Every, everyone's killing it. Yes. Um, tell me what some of your earliest points are or what your thought on my earliest point was. I agree. I think that the cast, the cast is perfect for martin scorsese i think that they are able to because he's got a very specific style and i think he always chooses actors for whatever movie he's doing that will be able to speak the dialogue and act completely correctly for the type of movie that he's making um because he's he's a very varied director so i think that's part of the reason why i say that tom cruise i don't know i think 
you know, I think everybody cast was completely correct for their role. It's a shame Mark Wahlberg, as Trent just now found out uh, just before recording, is a horrible racist. Um, yeah, Parth informed me that there's a whole Wikipedia subsection labeled hate crimes. So, uh, yeah, off air we were talking about how har- heartbroken we are over um, over Boogie Nights, over this movie. Because I got on the air and I said, are we going to talk about how, how awesome Mark Wahlberg is? And he said... We can talk about it in the in the safety of our own home, but on the air, he's not he's not the right man to give uh, p- praise to right now. That being said, he is. I mean, he gives some of the funniest lines in the movie. Um, but it is a shame that the man himself is um, has to hate minority groups. It's not yeah. it's not ideal. Yeah, it's not it's. Not, I mean, I love his acting work, but it's not a good look for him. He can just go off and just not do anything but this is not a mark Wahlberg podcast but this is a departed podcast uh, uh, unless you're still holding a grudge over the alec baldwin words with friends um him refusing to get off the plane dispute a few years ago um i i think he's just as good how's your wedding coming along great great she's a doctor oh that's outstanding yeah marriage is an important part of getting ahead lets people know you're not a homo Every guy seems more stable. People see the ring, they think at least somebody can stand the son of a bitch. Ladies see the ring, they know immediately you must have some cash and your cock must work. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Jack's> working. <laughs> Overtime. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, thank you. Yes, I think, I think, again, everybody's absolutely correct for their role. I think everybody's, this is a very fast-moving, fast-talking script, and I think everybody's got their, you know, we just recorded our Steve Jobs discussion similar to that movie where every actor is on point knows exactly what movie they're making and is sort of moving in rhythm in conjunction with everybody else that's kind of the same thing that's happening here and you know this is a really good script i think so speaking on that point my next bullet point says uh the ability to cross cut at any moment and i think that's what makes the momentum works so well is that they can do kind of like impartial scenes or essentially cut whenever they want after whatever funny line they think is funniest and just go to the other character and basically buy themselves time to go wherever they want to go with the other character without having to explain the narrative basis of it yeah and i think there's so many sequences in this movie in, in this movie that traverse a long period of time or cut between these several characters and um you know martin scorsese is well known for his use of music but it's really really good here it's um it sets the tone properly and it 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 creates a lot of movement between scenes you know we we were remarking earlier off air trent and i about how the um irish theme that music you mean the pirate song yeah that song um it plays a million times for the movie i i kind of hate it i love that song but (laughs) um here's the thing uh i think he he makes use of these recurring music cues in a really um in a great way i think he's able to use all all aspects of film language to propagate 
this really well-written story. And uh, funny story, the first time I saw this movie, I actually didn't really like it. Um, or at least I really liked the second half, but found that the first half was kind of disjointed. And I thought Martin Scorsese went a little crazy with some editing decisions. I still think he kind of, you know, there's weird like fade outs that cut straight into the next scene. There's lots of weird editing techniques that are used, but they bother me less because I think once you become engaged with the characters and story and know what the movie's doing, it's it's much easier to engage with it. Um, speaking of music cues, I read somewhere that this was the third Scorsese film where he used Give Me yes. Shelter. On one hand, I like that because he's like, I fucking like this song. I'm going to put it in all of my most classic movies. But on the other hand, I like, not self-obsessive, but it just seems weird. I can't imagine any other director thinking in, you know, three movies over their career prominently displaying the same song. The only, the only time I can really think of that, and it's not over three movies, it's just two, is I think tarantino reuses some songs uh, unless it's like referential to another movie but in this it's, but at that it's... point just don't use it like why do you want to think of another movie while watching this movie but yeah I, I do think it's a little weird that he keeps but again it works in this movie it's not like it's in improperly placed one of my more minor points says quote uh leonardo dicaprio beating people up um which watching people get beat up in general is pretty cool and then watching uh, an A-plus lister like Leo um, beat people up um, is even better. Yes. Um, and, and I think that, I think Cruz was slated to potentially be Leo's part. And I think Leo, the nice magic trick of it is that he is this A-lister, but he's also got this weird soft quality to him. And they use that well because he's supposed to be scared and freaking out all the time um, because he's, you know, a mole or a a rat inside of the um, criminal enterprise. And you see him early on sort of beating people up, but they've got this nice balance where he, you believe that he's able to beat people up, but you also believe that he's not that good at beating people up. It's all kind of a show for him and that he's not, he, he's really trying to play up the tough guy factor, and I don't know if that would happen with someone else. So, Parth, um, I'd like to introduce our next edition of Trent's Confused Parth Explains, and it's for a major plot point. Um, how does Leonardo DiCaprio find himself in the position of, like, he like he goes to the police academy, and it seems like his intentions... <clears throat> Are, are pure and then alec baldwin and mark Wahlberg just say we know that do you mean you... martin sheen martin sheen uh or yeah they say we know that you are uh, a rat and therefore we are gonna like offer you this elaborate deal but like i don't think that... i don't think that they're a, that he's a rat i don't think they think he's a rat i think that was all sort of a hazing process where if you can you have to be able to upstand sergeant dignam to be able to take up this job and this is also a job where should something go wrong nobody will know that you exist nobody will know what you've done nobody will be able to help you it's a high stress thing that nobody wants to take and so they're giving it to this one guy who's who has pure intentions and has little to no connections uh so they want so they can throw him into this environment and let him do this job 
I guess why I'm confused is because it kind of seems like he's hold they're holding him hostage, but at the same time, it seems like Leo willingly agrees to go and almost immediately wants out, and then they don't let him out for the next two and a half hours. I think it's meant to be that he wants to be in the police department however he can, and this is his way in. But they basically say to him, because some slash most of your relatives are criminals, that must mean that you are also a criminal. And therefore, we're, we're not going to let you be a cop in the standard fashion, but you have to go to jail for a year, and then you can be a cop in this more complex way, in a sort of way where we can kill you or erase you at any time. Well, I think that's the idea, is that if... It seems needlessly it, dangerous. He, sh- he sh- should find another line of work. It's meant to be that he wants he is a good man. Ultimately, that's what screws him over. But um, I think the idea is that it's all this hazing process... And he, this is all part of his initiation into this job. So, do we want to give a spoiler alert now? Because yeah. sure, I mean, this is a what, fifteen-year-old movie? Yeah, and you're thirty minutes into the episode. So, if you've come this far and you haven't seen the movie yet, we're gonna talk about some people who die, and if anyone dies, who knows? Everyone could survive the film. Maybe everybody um, ends this film a happy customer. Yeah, Leo and Matt shake hands, and they say, I'm glad we could put all this gang cop stuff We're not so us. different, you and I. Yeah. Um, all right, so now let's get into the fact. Here, here's my last, my last point. It says, um, I really respect movies that aren't afraid to kill everyone. Um, and to elaborate on this, um, I feel like a big complaint for film and TV now is like, uh, they're too precious with their characters. They're afraid to kill anyone. It feels like there's no stakes. In this movie, um, over the course, uh, I, I mean, mostly in the, in the, in the latter half, um, kill everyone and do it pretty mercilessly. And the fact that they do it so suddenly and don't like make a big fuss about it and, it's like silent when people die rather than with a big booming score. And I think it's awesome. Yeah. And I think it shows, um, I like the way that you put it of almost unrelenting at towards the end where everybody, I think it kind of shows like, this is the cost of all of this criminality getting involved in this world at all. You know, whether you're on the good or the bad of it, it'll screw you over in some regard. Um, even Nicholson, who we find out has been working with cops the whole time. He gets fucked over and dies. When I was your age, they would say we could become cops or criminals. Today, what I'm saying is this. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? I think that by the time you get to the point where um, Leo gets to the gets the phone and um, he and Matt Damon are on the phone call together and then they immediately hang up, that from that point on onwards i think the movie's perfect up until then which is a lot of the movie and i I don't want to make it sound like i don't like the stuff preceding that a lot of that a lot of the movie is kind of um it is very jumpy it's kind of i i could hear meandering yeah I i don't think it's meandering so much as it is a little like I'm not entirely sure what the focus is meant to be. I don't think me because when I think of a meandering movie, it seems like the movie doesn't know what's supposed to be happening. And I don't think that's the case here. I think that sometimes it just is too jumpy. 
I, I think in film, something I really value is a, like a, a sort of cause and effect structure. And I don't want it to be too straightforward, but if one scene leads me directly into the next scene, I kind of love it. And yeah. this is the opposite of that. Yeah, but I mean, I, again, I guess that's why I like it at that point, because once those two paths intersect of Damon and DiCaprio, that's when, you know, they're their paths constantly start intersecting with each other. The other thing that I think I have a problem with would be Vera Farmiga's character, because... I, I, I just said the whole romantic subplot. I, I, as in, I, I love... I like her performance, and I like part of her... I like that she's in the movie. I just don't think... I think there's either too much or not enough of it. I think you didn't need the romance aspect between her and DiCaprio. I like the stuff with her and Damon it, it because it's not really playing any major part in the movie. It's, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, it, there's not it's not even a conversation between Leo and and Matt. The you know, if yeah. if during the whole movie some like the girlfriend is cheating on the boyfriend, you expect for the the two men to discuss that at some point. And what's weird about it is that whole thing where she cheats on him it kind of is pointless. I don't really know and why then, it happens in the movie. And then whose baby is it in the end? And you don't know? Is it meant to? Like, I think, I, I think no it's one... meant to be unambiguous that it's meant to be Damon's baby and that she aborts it. But you, when you add this thing that she had sex with DiCaprio, it adds this weird element to it that I, I kind of like her and his uh, relationship when it was sort of... Um, What's the word? Platonic. Platonic. I, I liked it having it in that regard because it, it's a different type of relationship than what's present in the movie. And then pushing it towards this sexual one, I don't believe it. I don't think they have great chemistry. I don't believe. I don't. I don't believe they have like romantic chemistry. I really yeah, like they, their scenes they together. Kind, but they kind of just suddenly make out in the kitchen once, and then for the rest of the movie, they're talking about their relationship as if they were like once in love or as if it was much more serious than what the film portrays you know ultimately the whole story shifts because um dicaprio sends her a mail of all of the evidence and i think that beat would have worked better had they not slept together is it what is in the envelope that he gives her i think it's 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 the tapes that he's been but but then he sends the tapes or to, to matt damon's house with his no name he sends on it? it he sends it to her but it has matt damon's name on it it says colin or whatever oh, oh wait, wait 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 i think that's meant to be that he's saying like oh i've got you and he's gonna send that around oh yeah yeah i agree i i, I have a i have a note here which Go i'm ahead. not sure you're gonna like um i like that the camera is always moving or at least so it seems but i wrote that there was a lack of a distinctive visual style as in Whoa. it's kind of no 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 editing is one one thing but like the cinematography and it feels invisible which someone argue i is would 100 percent disagree with that one i don't i don't really know how you can think that because it's constant it's got this i don't know it, it it's a very distinct type i feel like scorsese has a very sort of quick type of movement even yes. beyond the editing where his cameras are moving at really fast speeds they're moving and zooming they've they've got these pa fast pans and i i almost think he goes too hard on that in the first half and i get the the want to um 
push things very far or very fast so that you know you lock the audience in but i think he goes a little too hard on that uh i i think in uh like an inherent flaw with the plot of the movie is so much of the dialogue is done via phone call and i think this movie does a good job of trying to make like one shots of people walking and talking on the phone and cutting back and forth as interesting as possible but i think it does suffer from too much phone call syndrome especially I, in the I, first half i didn't notice half. that i didn't notice that so much but um i i agree that i think they make it as natural as possible um do you think that this film is too long and has too many characters I don't I don't think it's too I think if there was anything you could shorten it would have to be in the first half. Yes. But I I don't think it's overstuffed. There's there's a difference between being dense and being overwrought or like just too long. And I think this is a very dense movie, but I think it it's kind of like The Dark Knight to me where it's almost got like a five act structure. It's it's like there's so much happening, but all of it I think other than the sex scene, if you were to take that string out, the whole thing would unwind and i don't think it would make as much sense the sex scene feels like it should be more self-aware of itself because it's like kind of very cringe (laughs) i don't think scorsese was thinking about how cringe the sex scene was i don't think the word cringe was a household term uh, 15 years ago am i wrong i know every sex scene is a little bit hard to watch like at 11 a.m on your small laptop i I don't know that i describe it as cringe but i would say that i think it's I think there's a lot about this movie that is interesting, and that is one of the few scenes that I think is not. This is unbelievable. Who put the fucking cameras in this place? Oh, who the fuck are you? I'm the guy who does his job. You must be the other guy. The the million dollar question. Are you you more are you more of an Italian gangster guy, or do you prefer the Irish gangsters? Because I I have my preference. I think <sighs> Confession, I've only seen two thirds of Goodfellas. Yeah, no, it's an embarrassing thing to hear you say, and frankly, to be affiliated with you. Um, but and it hurts my credibility. But that being said, I think Italian gangsters. Me too. Um, I like I how they like... cook at the pizza. You know. Well, outside of that, uh, I read that this was one of the first or one of the few Scorsese movies that takes place in current time, rather than you know a as... period piece. Rather than a period piece. And I feel like what makes Goodfellas feel so timeless is that it's a period piece and that, you know, when does it take place? The the 50s and 60s? Something like that? It, it taking place in 2006 makes it feel incredibly dated to me. Really? I, I didn't have a dated least, problem with it. In the, way, in the way that people dress and wear their baseball caps and such. I kind of, I, I don't know if I'm like a weird outlier. I feel like people always say that about movies with like clothing and things like that, but I don't really generally have a problem with it because if you were to now make a movie set in 2006, you would have people dress like that. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the only time I ever pro- have a problem with dating movies is cell phones. I almost prefer movies nowadays would use like shitty dumb phones because those don't age iphones age you know like yeah. cellular Isn't it devices so funny age. having dumb phones like you said play such a pivotal role and have them taken so seriously and have the ringtones like be so ominous yeah it's funny uh okay speaking of cell phones let's give it up for matt damon for his ability to send a text on that style of phone with his phone 
100% in the in pocket. pocket. No. Yeah, let's like, give him a round of it, applause. Um, um, that is, I would say, scientifically impossible. Or at least you have to really understand the button layout. Beep, and the beep, beep. I'm getting an incoming message from a dead Stephen Hawking, and he has confirmed that it's actually impossible. It's scientifically impossible. All right, thank you to our research team, and thank you to um, the the ghost Sir of Stephen, Stephen Hawking for chiming in. We appreciate your time. Um, Do you think it's time for? There- I think it might just be time for the rating gauntlet. Let's do you give think it we a... should get like do you think we should get a rating gauntlet sound effect? I would like it if there was more epic. I just like I think the word gauntlet warrants sound. Sure, let's let's enter the ratings gauntlet. And you can put a sound effect there. We'll figure out what that is. Um, sure. So let's right, start let's with enter the ratings let's gauntlet. start with rewatchability. it's relatively rewatchable but it's not you know i could watch this a few times a month rewatchable personally i think i could see I it once every month if i needed to but uh i think it's too long to be rewatchable and i think and i, I feel like part of a key uh, a key thing of, of a rewatchable is and, you know, outside of the overall quality is, you know, each of the acts holding a similar amount of weight. And I think the f- first and second act here um, pale in comparison and thus disqualifying it from being a re- rewatchable. Fair enough. And uh, would you recommend this? If someone asked me, should I watch The Departed? I would say yes. But I think so as if- well. But would I say that it's, like, a fun movie? Like, if someone said, hey, recommend ten films to watch, The Departed would be nowhere near the top of that list. Fair I don't enough. know exactly who it's for. I don't think necessarily it's, like, our reviewer said that it's only for straight men. Because um, I, I just think it's, like, an adulty movie. Yeah, which I, which I enjoy. I feel like I wish there were more movies like this. I got this rat, this... Annoying, fucking rat. Um, I don't want there to be any backlash. I, but I wait. Let I, me guess. Is this a six point five? I was gonna say exactly a six point five. Wow. Good for you. Um, a seven is my baseline, and even though this is a classic, I'm, I don't even. It'd be a modern classic. I mean, people talk about it like it's a modern. I think classic. it's a modern classic. And a lot of the angry one star reviews that I had to tread through, said, this film is overrated. And I definitely don't think it's underrated because mm. there's a lot of hype, and I was some some level of disappointed. But 6.5, I think, is right on the money. Uh, Martin Scorsese, your team, if you're hearing this, um, we'd love to talk to you about any of your other films. Or this one. We're actually just desperate to get you on the show. Yeah. Please come on. We'd love to have you. Parth, what do you think? Um, I'm going to go with 7.5. I think I enjoy it more than Whoa. you did. But I think that the end act 
is like a nine. I think that's really, really good stuff. And I do, I agree with you that the first two acts are, while good, not as good as the, you know, even the first half. I think, I think the second half is really good. Is it's that's like top tier filmmaking, and the first half is pretty good. I think it's a little unfocused, and I think it's a little, um, a little too cleverly made for its own good. So let me, uh, let's talk about some death. Martin Sheen getting killed. Awesome. Um, Leo getting killed. Awesome. Um, Matt Damon getting killed. Also awesome, but I don't fully understand. Um, It kind of feels like Mark Wahlberg comes out of nowhere and kills him. I know that he's like the only surviving character and that he was a cop and he left the force and he was on to him, so to speak. Um, But he's just there waiting. He's not a cop anymore. He just murders him. Yeah. But I, I would still and then say the movie, and then the movie just ends. I would say and that it's still relatively awesome. Oh, I'm I'm not taking away its its awesome honor. I'm just saying it it is there for the shock value, and it feels like it's there for the shock value. Fair enough. But I uh, I think the last shot of a movie says everything about it, and the. Uh, the zooming in on the like capital the golden capital building or whatever and then with the the rat the cg skitter, rat with i wish it was a real rat and they like almost had me fooled there for a second i mean it's not a particularly subtle symbol no or or, or mascot i like film. it though i think it's i think it's fun so is that it i think that's just about it do you want to tell the kids at home what comes next kiddos if you don't pa- stick around for next week's episode Oh, what uh, is, sorry. What our 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 legal Peter? Oh my God! Wait, Peter from Legal is Peter from in. Legal is coming in. Wait, what does Peter from Legal have to say? Okay, so he's gonna tell me not to mention the big weapon I have. That's gonna happen. That's that's gonna cause internet damage and destruction. Um, if, should you not rate yeah. our podcast and review our podcast really well on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, um, and He's saying, though, that it is okay. What? Oh, yeah, okay. He's saying that it is okay, actually, for me to tell you that next week we're going to be talking with Doug Leffler. Second. Doug Leffler. What did he work on? The, he worked on Army of Darkness. What was he? And he was great. But he was also the second unit director on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Um, so it was freaking dope. And he's, he's worked on a bunch of fucking movies that are super, super cool. And he was a really cool man. Yes. Which was like the cherry on top. Because he could have, once you work on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, you can just be a huge dick for the rest of your life, but he chose not to. No. Um, so let's get back to the fact that you're going to give our show a good review. And then and then we'll let you hit the road. Yeah. Uh, uh, you'll see us every Sunday for the foreseeable future. The Lord's Maybe- Day. Until Parth or I die and or graduate from college, that's... We're good to go, so, I think. So either you guys need to help us graduate sooner, um, kill us, or prevent us from graduating. Or, like, steal our laptops. We would really be without a paddle. Those. Yeah. So you have a lot of options if you're out there listening and you really want to put a stop to all this. But um, um, until but then, until then, 
quit talking about how you are going to do away with our show. Do something about it. Uh, this is a challenge. Bye, guys. Come stop us. Bye. Bye. We love Goodbye. you. Goodbye.